What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast, and this episode is specific to our Whitetail series. The Whitetail series contains 27 episodes, 9 for the early season, which are already out, 9 for the pre-rut and rut, and 9 for the late season. This episode is part of our pre-rut and rut portion, and we're going to be talking scrapes, rubs, bedding areas, food plots, pinch points, funnels, um, morning sits, evening sits, all day sits, calling, decoys, all sorts of crazy stuff that happens during the rut and fun tactics, ground hunting, like the spot and stalk. There's just a ton of stuff to go about. This is my favorite part of the season. So I hope you guys really enjoy these episodes. I think we're even going to have 10 or 11 in this just because of the rut's so much fun and there's a lot of people I got to talk to. Also, this Whitetail series is brought to you by Arrow Hunter Saddles and Onyx Hunt. If you're in the market for a tree saddle, definitely check out Arrow Hunter. They make a phenomenal tree saddle. It's extremely comfortable, very adjustable, made right here in the U.S. I've found them to be the most comfortable for me and um, and I just really like them. So if you use the code DVAIN10, you'll get 10% off your order. And uh, they should be actually shipping. They just came out with a new one here in the Mer- the Merlin, uh, but they should be shipping here pretty soon, uh, getting a whole lot more in stock. Of course, during season, almost all the saddle companies are pretty much out because they're so popular now. But definitely check out Arrow Hunter Saddles if you're looking into it. Uh, on a- as far as Onyx Hunt goes, everybody should know about them. You know, they're the they're like the premium GPS mapping app. They give you public and private land boundaries. They give you landowner information. They give you hybrid maps, topo maps, satellite maps, waypoints. They work offline. It's just a phenomenal app. I pretty much find myself using it every day during the hunting season. So again, if you're in the market for a saddle or looking at a GPS app, please check out Arrow Hunter Saddles and uh, Onyx. And without further ado, let's hop into the podcast. All right, guys. So today we have Mike Hunsucker on from Heartland Bowhunter. Um, for me personally, like Heartland Bowhunter really got me into filming and, and photography in the outdoors. Like when you guys showcased, and I'm not just trying to inflate your ego, Mike. Like <laughs> it's, not, right. it's, it's completely deflated, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I need a little pump up every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, when you guys started, I mean, God, it was, what was it like 2017 or I'm sorry, 2007, 2008 when you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. We're, we're like filming our 14th season right now. So it's just, that's nuts yeah. to think about. Exactly. So I remember when you guys first like started up and, and, um, and I remember just seeing like the different in quality and the, just the way you guys told a story and the way you guys laid it out. And then you were one of the very first outdoor shows to be using DSLRs to film too. Like I remember yeah. like reaching out to, to you guys to get my first camera. I was like, what do you guys run? Like, I want to, I want to shoot quality like this. And, uh, and you guys are like, Oh, we shoot, we, we use uh, DSLRs. I'm like, that's a camp. That's a photography camera. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, Oh no. Yeah. You can buy uh Joel's old one, Joel's uh 60 D from him. Um, so I ended up, yeah, I ended up buying that and he sold me a lens and, and even sold me that base that I still have that, that premium Sweet. first. Uh, yeah. Pro. Yeah. yeah. That's it right there. Heck yeah. 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 One of those first. That's bases. Awesome. I'm still, yeah, I'm still filming with that thing. I'm, I'm Dude, I, yeah. I had, um, you don't need that for a dslr it's a it's a beast you know we run a big <laughs> camera on that but like it's yeah Dude, that legit. Thing meant for like a, a vhs tape camera <laughs> that's what they're that's what they were built for was like the big old shoulder mount sony's yeah and so we're now we're running like the 
Sony FS7, you know, so it's like pretty, still pretty beefy, you know, yeah. and plus you get a big lens on there and it's heavy. So like having that, that beefy camera arm is like really, really nice. It's for nice sure, so but, you don't get that flex when you like yeah. extend it full out and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. But that's one of the like problems. The, the fourth well, arrow, like fourth arrow makes a bunch of great arms now too that we <laughs> use. And um, I just got their newest like little talon base adapter with like the small arm that we run like, Cause we like to run a, a secondary angle, you know, on a DSLR. Yeah, for sure. And, um, oh, just crazy. They're just so light and so small and so nice, which is, which is good. Cause we're, you know, two camera arms is a lot of stuff to haul around. So. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I believe it. And I remember going to your, I went to your film school a while back too. And I remember you guys were like, Oh, we mount two DSLRs to one camera arm. And we have, yeah, you were, you were one of the original, one of the first film schools. Yeah. Oh man, I remember that like, dude, that's how you guys, cause I always was thinking like, how do you swap lenses so fast from like, you know, you're 24 to 70 to 7,200 and you're just like in it. And I was like, how are you guys doing that? And you weren't, <laughs> you just had two cameras. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, initially, um, Nikon was like one of the first DSLR brands that had the D90 and it was the first one that did like video. And just had that really cool cinematic look. Like nothing had that at the at the moment. Like the video cameras just didn't have that cinematic like thirty five millimeter film look, you know. And and uh, those, that first Nikon DSLR that came out, like we just fell in love with that look. And um, Canon recent or you know shortly after came out with like a sixty D and a couple others. And we went from running you know a DSLR and a big camera to running double DSLRs, like you said. And part of it was um to have two different lens perspectives but also to have two different audio channels because like that was the biggest thing was like the video cameras are built for video these dslrs were built for photos and they just had you know you could adapt them and build them and change them out to where they would work but nothing like today like today you could buy a dslr today and build a whole rig around it and have it like legit film rig um yeah. you know back then it was really kind of pieced together so but <laughs> i mean for us like it was cool getting started. Like, you know, for us, it was Sean and I like grew up together, high school buddies hunting and like filming and, you know, really wanted to just like share hunts with our friends and family. And like, uh, we kind of had seen what was in the hunting industry. And like, it was like a lot of like, you know, bigger, bigger production style stuff and like overproduced kind of stuff. And we're like, man, like we just, we just want to share our, our story share our like hunts and stuff and there's so much more of that now i mean with social media and like with just you know the 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 price of cameras being so much more affordable like there's a lot more of that today now but like there wasn't like real raw you know content out there for hunters and so like that's kind of what we kind of wanted to do and that's how we got our foot in the door yeah no and you did it in a like for anybody who hasn't watched heartland bowhunter like check out the outdoor channel check out youtube they have a bunch of episodes on youtube they have the behind the bow or is it called behind the bow behind the draw behind the draw behind the draw and then uh full stress yeah i mean yeah we're then, everywhere youtube amazon prime facebook instagram whatever like anywhere you can get content <laughs> we're there if we're not tell us because we try to be so yeah so you guys can yeah you can find all their all their a ton of their episodes on those channels but um i just remember like the the way you told the story it wasn't just like it was just different because you were you were like filming filming the wheat like the leaves blowing in the wind and filming like 
you know, the walk-in and filming the walk-out and all the different, all the different aspects to it that every hunter understands, but weren't being captured by other hunting TV shows. And, you know, with, with the advent of YouTube and everybody being able to post anything for free now, right? Like, like it just has opened the door for creatives because when you guys first started, it was, you know, 150 grand to get on a quarter of the outdoor channel. And it's like, you know, that's just a hell of a barrier to of entry. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, but anyway, that's like, that's Heartland Bowhunter and that's Mike. And today we're talking about like, our focus is going to be the pre-rut and the rut and how Mike and, and HB in general kind of attacks that time frame of the season and um and what their strategies are and and how we do that so mike certain like so first thing is like when would you consider like the beginning of the pre-rut oh i mean is there a date in you your know, mind where you're like oh i'm i'm in it to win it now or or is it just like feeling yeah it? you know i mean uh, like I would say probably like that third week of October, basically like the last, you know, seven to 10 days of October, okay. I would call maybe like the pre-rut in my mind. I mean, like, it just depends a lot on the weather too. But I mean, like right now, for example, I mean, we're October 7th today and uh, I told you it was 90 degrees here in Missouri. <laughs> so like yeah. 90 degrees, like un unreal, just super hot, terrible conditions. Like, we have so many cell cameras now. It's It's like so interesting to see just like, I just like checked some cameras just a minute ago. I was like, okay, like no activity tonight, virtually <laughs> nothing. And like, you could tell, you know, I have, I have cameras on different properties, different parts of the state. And it's like, you know, like you can just see the weather patterns move. And so, you know, nights like tonight, nothing's going on, but like, you know, you get a cold snap and the bucks are going to be a little swelled up. I mean, on trail camera, we're already starting to see them just like, they're getting to be like their prime shape right now like they you know i would say the next week or two they get about as big as they get you know before they start chasing and, and start moving a lot because then they you know they lean down quite a bit but sure. uh but they're yeah i mean they're making scrapes they're starting to like kind of establish their territory they're still hanging out together obviously but like you know we hunt a lot of green plots this time of year and like you get a big mature buck steps in the in the plot like all the other bucks demeanors change like they know what's going on you know what i mean like they <laughs> They know. So if they want to like, if they want to like try to challenge him, he's going to whoop them, but you know, that doesn't happen yet. So, um, you know, I would say yeah, that like the last week of October is when I really kind of start considering like pre-rut and start talking about like, you know, rut tactics, calling, decoying, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I was actually talking to somebody recently though. And I, and I've considered this in years past, like we've seen situations in October when, like I said, you know, deer are using a food plot and you get a mature buck that comes in the food plot and he kind of like pushes the other bucks out, like, get out of here. Like, this is my deal. And so I was like, man, I would love to use a decoy. If I had a, like a pretty, you know, predictable buck, it was like coming to an area. I'd love to use a decoy and just see, what? you know, if he would, if he would, if he would do it. And I, I think he would. The problem is this time of year, like, you know, they're hitting the heat, they're hitting the plots hard. So like a lot of deer and like the does just don't put up with the, the decoy that much they just kind of like <laughs> you know they look at it like hey, it's not moving and they'll blow and run off and they can ruin the hunt so it's just like it's kind of like is it worth it kind of deal this time of year yeah to give it a shot and experiment maybe if you've like maybe some year you'll fill a tag or two you know or real early and you'll be yeah. like all right i can experiment now <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah, I, I may try it. If we get the right conditions, I may, I may try it. Give it a go. So in this, like, so this, this uh, podcast should release, like, I don't know, mid to late October, like October 20, probably something around there. And uh, in that time frame, are you, are you still like, are you still hunting like green, like green plots? Or are you kind of key, tra- starting to key in on like real good, real high traffic scrape areas or rubs or funnels? Or are you just mainly looking at the plots or what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I like hunting. I like hunting plots, like green plots, especially that time of year, just because it seems like wherever the high concentration of does is, that's where the first bucks that are going to be coming. Cause like, they're just coming to check, coming to check, coming to check and just see if they can get a doe, if, you know, catch a doe in heat. And so okay. I like to hunt those areas where the does are highly concentrated. And usually that's the green plots. We, we do a lot of clover, um, a lot of brassicas and, um, you know, so anywhere, anywhere the does are highly concentrated, that's kind of where I like to kind of key in that late October. Um, we start hunting mornings too, that time of year, a little bit. Okay. Um, I mean, we, you know, I don't know, you can hunt mornings any time of year, given the right setup. It's just, you know, you got to have the right setup. And so, uh, but that time of year, usually the deer are moving, you know, a little bit later into the morning. And so you're not, not, not uh, risking as much to get into certain spots, but um, I mean, shit, Sean and I hunted the, uh, I mean, we hunted the morning, um, just about a week ago, um, which would have been late September. I hunted actually like the second day of season I hunted in the morning, just because it was a spot where it was way off of the destination food source. And I had an encounter the opening evening. And I thought maybe we, you know, catch a buck coming back to bed. Um, I know a lot of guys too, that hunt, you know, when the acorns stop, start dropping like crazy this time of year, um, late September, early October. And, you know, the deer feed into these bean fields in the Midwest and they come back up in the morning and they're just kind of browsing through the acorns. And so um, the spot Sean and I hunted uh, about a week ago was like pretty good ways off the, 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 the main food source. And we didn't see a deer till, I don't know, 8, 8.30 or something like that. And then all of a sudden just started seeing deer left and right, left and right, left and right. So like the main thing in the more like hunting mornings is, is the risk of like bumping deer out of an area because you're just chomping in and getting in. Right. And so it's funny. Cause like, we were like, Oh, well, obviously we weren't worried about bumping anything in. Cause like they, they didn't come in for like an hour and a half. They were, you know, all out and about. So, you know, it's just finding those areas and that takes, you know, just experience and like hunting a certain farm and hunting an area just to kind of gather all that info and like figure that out. But there are certain spots that can be really good in the morning, no matter what time of year. Yeah. No, I, and I've had, I've, now that you say that I've had experience with that. There's a, there's a couple areas where like, I like to key in on that do have acorns and um, you'll get those kind of mid morning pictures. Like sometimes you're like, why the hell are you here at nine 30 in the morning? Yeah. You know, and they're just kind of like you said that maybe they went to a different food source that night or something. And they're just slow, real slowly working their way back. Um because you don't want to hunt mornings because you're afraid to bump deer like essentially um like that's that's why people don't hunt mornings in the early season because they're afraid to hunt deer bump deer and the odds of a buck like actually being on its feet in daylight hours in the morning is is real slim a lot of times they're getting back to their bed like way before right right way before daylight so do you have that like even when you are like really far off that destination food food source do you still like in those earlier time frames 
in maybe it's acorns, maybe it's some other like, you know, trailing food source, maybe it's a real small clover plot, like way far back. Um, do you have good bucks in the morning, like with your cameras, do you ever catch them? Or is it pretty much just like, so rare that you're not even willing to give it a shot? It, uh, it seems pretty rare, but also we don't have cameras in those spots, you know, so to speak. Okay. And so it's funny because like a lot of times when we are hunting early season, like we're like, okay, we're going to target these bucks on these food sources in the evening. And like, but we also like are like, we're going to hunt the mornings because we need to fill some doe tags. We need to, we try to shoot a lot of does, especially on certain properties that are just overrun with deer. It's yeah. so like, all right, we're going to go on, we're going to go on, on doe hunt, you know? Yeah, and it's funny to to see how many times we've been surprised on these doe hunts. Like, oh wow, here's this buck moving, you know, whatever. And it, it may be way off of a spot that we didn't, you know, think about. But like, a lot of times in the morning, like I said, we're we're trying to get back, you know, away from the main food sources, and we're kind of in these areas where, you know, usually we don't really run cameras because it's kind of like tight to bedding areas, and yeah. that goes back to the whole advent of, you know, cell cameras and like being able to put cameras in a spot where you don't really want to go, you know, unless you're going to yeah. hunt. And so, you know, we've, we've done that for years. We've had literally put cameras on scrapes or on spots where like the only time we check this camera is when we hunt the spot and like you check it and you, you know, it's probably been two every weeks and you just like look back you're like, Oh, you see what you missed out on all this stuff. So like <laughs> now you can get that information right at your fingertips, like the second it happens. And so like that's, just crazy so awesome to be able to you know get that get that info yeah oh for for sure we just got our i just got our first i bought my dad a cell cam as a father's day gift a, a quote-unquote father's day gift <laughs> yeah can we share this dad <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah pretty much so we uh yeah we got a new property and and we the guy who owned it before us was kind of like really willy-nilly with like hunting permission and people coming to just hang out on the property like it, it was really strange like we've had some interesting encounters with people just coming out there um yeah, yeah like i there's this one kid who gun hunted our property three days in a row and i never even like i wasn't out there during that time nobody was out there but he was you know hundreds of yards from any prop he was right in the center of our property you know, and I was like, what the hell is this like kid doing here? You know, and I got him three days in a row coming out there to sit. And I was like, well, this is strange. But, um, and everybody knows it's new ownership, you know. Um, but uh, so we wanted to get a cell cam just as like a security piece, just to see who's coming yeah. in and out. Like we've had multiple notes just like left on the shed there. Hey, stop by, like checked it out. And so I'm like, well, maybe we should just get a gate, dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so once we get a gate, that, that camera is going deep into the woods. But it's pretty funny how many deer I actually get um, on, our, on our driveway, you know, at on 2 a.m. Yeah. 3 a.m., yeah. Yeah, just working our way through. A couple, we never got any bucks until the last couple cold front days, you know, whatever, uh, a couple weeks ago or a week ago. And they were like in the evening. You know, they were coming right down the driveway, <laughs> you yeah. know, those four point, six point, eight point coming right down the driveway. Um, That's funny. Yeah. But uh, so then as, as far as, so you're hunting these green plots until like, you know, late October, October, maybe tw like the last week would be about October 24th, 25th, something like that. 
and then you're changing it up. Um, what are you changing it up? Are you like, then are you keying in on scrapes? Are you looking for rubs, funnels? How are you moving and adapting? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough because that that really goes back to where you, you kind of monitor trail cameras and stuff because like hunting those food plots can be good, you know, throughout the whole time of November because uh, as bucks, you know, break away from does and they're starting to search for new does, that's where they're going to go. And so um, that's another another time where like cell cameras will be so invaluable because like, you know, usually we're checking our cameras even during the rut, like, you know, maybe four or five, six days, you know, in between, you know, except for certain cameras where we might be able to like access really easily. But like knowing when a buck is like on the loose, like cruising, you know, that is, that can be so invaluable because when they're doing that, they're just, they're just cruising with their head cut off, just literally just following their nose, not even paying attention, just trying to sniff up the next hot dough. And so when you see that, you can move into an area and key in on that area. But I really like, um, oh, I just love a morning, morning rut hunt, like back, like big timber ridge, you know, catch deer kind of coming back from the, you know, the main food sources and, and you know, basically kind of in between, in between food and bed. Um, I just love, I just love that morning rut ridge hunt, you know, up in the big yeah. timber. Oh yeah. So, and that's, and that's just more of like a funnel. That's more of like a, just a travel route. Scenario. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of, I like a spot where, um, you know, you're obviously trying to get, you know, where deer might be kind of narrowed down, but I also like like a highly visible area where you can kind of, you know, see deer from, see from a distance because the beauty of November is like, if you can see him, you can kill him. Like you see a buck, you can call him, you can grunt to him, you can rattle. Like if you can see him, you can kill him. And so, um, you know, that's why I love having like highly visible, like high visibility areas that time of year are, are, are awesome. Okay. So then in those morning rut hunts, like, are you 50 yards off a of food source or 300 yards off a of food source or what are you, tra- where are you yeah. trying to be? I mean, it just depends on the spot and the setup and all that. But like, usually I like to be closer to the bedding area. Like it seems like, you know, you get, you get close to like an area where, where deer like to frequent like the bed, like you're catching bucks kind of cruising the edge, like on the downwind yeah. side of a bedding area. And like, that's one of my favorite setups is like, you just see them like they'll, they won't just go right up in the thick stuff. They'll kind of hit the outside edge and just kind of sit check it. And sure. so that's kind of where I, li- I like to be, but it, it, it kind of, I don't know. I feel like every property is a little bit different. Like, you know, I, I have certain like, properties and stands in my in my mind that are just like picture perfect like oh just thick nasty bedding area the deer really bed here like all year long and like you just sit right next to it and then I have the other properties where they they can kind of bed wherever they want you know and so um you're just kind of in like the you know the high traffic areas trying to Um, yeah um when you're hunting those mornings do you are you getting in like some people are like, dude, you got to get into the tree an hour before it gets light. And other people are like, I only like to get in when it's gray light because then if something comes running through, I can shoot it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a preference that route? We we have to get in a little bit early because, um, you know, it takes us time to set up everything. And so right. yeah, all the I just like to, I like to get in early enough to where we can like set up everything and just be ready when it gets light basically. But like, I don't know that we've ever like gone in like 
super early to get in there and get set up before because like I don't know like okay yeah you're getting in earlier you're getting settled earlier but then like you're there earlier and so like your sense around like if sure. you're value, you know it's just it's it's hard to say and then like if we like push it and like say oh we're gonna wait till like gray light and so we can see and like if we see deer we can stop and wait like and like it takes us like 30 minutes to set up and so like <laughs> i just like to be set up and ready when it's going to be good shooting light yeah no yeah that makes sense do you ever find yourself just like come on brandon let's go come on man <laughs> yeah all the time i'm like come on no i'm kidding uh brandon and i actually have a pretty good system like we 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 mesh pretty good and flow pretty good um, it's funny cause like, you know, you get to hunting with somebody and like, you know, we, we know what's in what pack, how to do everything. Like you just get in emotion and you get, yeah. you just like, it's just repetitive. I mean, we do it like a hundred times a year or what, however many times, you know? Sure. And, uh, so you just get it figured out, but yeah, you, then you hunt with somebody else and you're like, wait a minute. Like if like Sean and I hunt together or Skylar and I, it's like, all right, we're going to use your stuff or my stuff or whose stuff, like whose system. <laughs> Skylar is funny. He's probably more like me. Like, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty like, uh, like detail oriented. Like I know where all my stuff is. I like to know where it is. Skylar's the same way. So he's like, you want to, you, you want to use my system or your system? I'm like, Oh, we can use mine. You know, or if yours is ready, whatever, like, you know, it's like you, <laughs> both of us are a little uncomfortable using the other system, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but we, we, we know everything's there. So, uh, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. We, we've got it dialed down pretty good. We can get set up pretty quick and, and uh but like i said getting back to like i mean opening day i literally i could have killed a killed a buck opening day if it wasn't for setting all our stuff up and filming so i literally was pulling the camera up and he was walking across the food plot like 30 yards so <laughs> just super early he was moving way earlier than i would ever ever thought but what was and that was an evening hunt right mm-hmm, yeah that wasn't two days ago was it that was no a, same buck though same yeah, buck. yeah yeah okay i was gonna so, say um when did you yeah, so, open so we opened september 15th okay yeah all right i was yep. gonna say i thought and you guys so, opened real early yeah and so i you know i i had not really had anything too dialed in i had this this one buck that he had been on camera like pretty good in the mornings um on i had a cell camera so i hadn't like you know i i usually I love the, 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 the one thing I love about cell cameras, obviously you get the data, you get the information right away, but also like, I love having a, just a, you know, a traditional camera in place. Cause I have them set like those Reconyx cameras take pictures so fast. I have them set super high settings. So you see everything. So I feel like, you know, the cell cameras can miss some stuff, but anyway, this buck was pretty regular. And I was like, yeah, like conditions weren't perfect opening day. It was kind of one of the deals. I was like, yeah, I'll just try it. You know, yeah. so if we get in there like, I mean, three hours before uh sunset and like we're setting up and like like i look over to my right and i'm like oh, there's a deer right there like i was just literally helping chandler hang the, the camera arm the camera's at the bottom of the tree i'm like oh the deer yeah whatever and so like we couldn't really see it was thick so we kept setting up and just being quiet and he like circles around and pops out in the edge of the food plot and chandler's like it's a buck he's like i, I think it's that buck that he's, he's kind of lopsided i was like yeah it's him <laughs> so he's he's literally 40 yards 30 40 yards away on the edge of the food plot and like we had a tree between us luckily but i just grabbed the camera and just like start pulling it up <laughs> we switched lenses and he was just gonna hand hold it we didn't have time to set up all the tree arm 
yeah. basically. But, you know, he started coming across the plot, and I got my bow, uh, put my release on, knocked an arrow. And by the time I was, like, basically ready, he was all the way across the plot, basically exactly, actually exactly where he was two nights ago. Same exact trail. Uh, really? exiting, exiting the food plot. There's a fence there. He must like that little crossing, 60 yards. And I was like, ah, like, ah, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to rush it, whatever. So, so yeah. twice he's gotten by at 60, at 60 yards. yards, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'll be so lucky next time. I hope there's a next time, but who knows? I mean, he could jump. I mean, he's not too far from the neighbors. He could run on the neighbors and get shot tomorrow. So you never know. Yeah. Um, to take a quick step back, um, are you, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but are you hunting just a ton of private land? Is that, do you have private land and leases is what you're hunting? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, in Missouri, yeah, all private. Um, okay. and it's literally mostly, I would say mostly what I hunt is permission ground, honestly. Um, okay. you know, we do lease a little bit and, um, we do own a little bit, but like, mo honestly, like the most of the stuff that I hunt is permission ground. And so like, nice, you know, it's funny. I, I talk to guys and, uh, and so like, I, there's like public lands, the big craze right now. Like I, I understand, like I get that. And like, but like you come to Missouri and hunt public land, like, Oh man, it's tough road. <laughs> like, it's not like hunting public land out West. It's not like hunting public land, even in Nebraska, like public land in Kansas. Sure, no problem. Go out and hunt public land. You kill deer, no problem. Public land in Missouri is tough. It's it's, what, it's yeah. I hear. I, mean, that. I, I I I don't hunt that much public land, but like you said, you talked to to Warb and some of those guys, and they yeah. hunt. You know, public land in Iowa. Oh, public land in Iowa is better than a lot of private in Missouri. <laughs> like public land in Missouri is tough, and I believe it. There's um, I know there's good spots and I know there's good, there's good areas, but it gets pounded. It gets pounded. Oh, I bet. And so, man, it's kind of one of those deals. I mean, but, but what I tell people all the time is I hear people all the time like, oh yeah, I hunt this public. Like we, I, we live in kind of Kansas city suburban area and we have like some closer public land areas, which are just like about as bad as it gets. Like as far as traffic and people. Yeah. Like, I bet. Yeah. Like I hunted, I, I get guys like I hunted public, I hunted the, the public land over here by Kansas city. Like, yeah, I saw like uh, three or four deer last year. I'm like, okay, like the whole year? Yeah, oh yeah. I'm like, well, why don't you like just like take this venture out and like knock on some doors? I get it, like times are changing. Like it's, um, you know, it's not like it used to be as far as like getting permission, knocking on doors. But I'm telling you, I mean, I literally to this day knock on doors, get permission on a regular basis. So, you know, you spend enough time out there. Like I, I would rather spend my time like scouting and knocking on doors and getting permission and having pieces that I know aren't going to get disturbed and ruined than yeah. you know, trusting in certain, you know, certain spots. So. Oh, for sure. And I don't mean to like, I'm not asking you about the private and public for like the public land craze or private land craze. Cause I hunt both. And I think like, you know, I'll, I'll, so many things in life are like cyclical and I feel like, like the hunting industry a little bit is like, you know, the hunting public and warb and all those guys are really creating a lot of buzz about hunting public land. And there's a lot of people who do, but the majority of people still hunt private. Like that's sure. like yeah. the majority of hunters still hunt private. Um, and I like to like frame that up just because then like when you're talking about your cell cameras and your other cameras and things and, and how you set things up, 
it just gives gives me a better reference for it and gives like our our listeners a little bit of reference so by no means and i'm not like yeah well you're not a hunter mike you're not a hunter unless you hunt public (laughs) no i we do like i said we do we hunt public we hunt hunt a good mix of it and i I kind of like i like the mix i like i like the i like hunting private running like running trail cameras knowing what's on there having food plots i love that whole game and like management side of things and then I, on the other hand, I love the unknown of hunting yeah. public, not knowing what you're getting into, um, you know, not having an idea of what's on the property, what's around the area, except for like when you figure it out as you go. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's all, and, and that's why, like for me, I don't get caught up in shooting giant bucks. Like I, I don't, like I just want to kill the best representative, you know, buck of the area, whatever I'm hunting. So like, yeah. You know, if I spend a week on a place, I'm going to have a pretty good idea of what's, you know, running around there. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not getting hung up on, you know, shooting 150 plus or only whitetails or yeah. whatever, you know, I just, like I just, I just like hunting and, and I, and I like a challenge. Anybody who hunts enough knows like if it's easy, like it's not that rewarding at the end of the day, like the, the, the hunts and the, the deer and the animals and the, and the, the pursuits we all remember the most are the ones that like really we, poured our soul into and so yeah that's what i'm all about they're the ones that you hate in the moment and then once it's all done you're like god that was a hell of a story (laughs) yeah exactly um and i would say i would add to that and say like i've hunted public for like the last five six years of my life and uh last year we got that piece of private and i actually like have adopted this thought process on the public because you never know what the hell else is going on on there So like, I don't ever worry about like, quote unquote, like busting deer out of the public and things like that. Cause I'm just like, you know, someone could have done it yesterday and I have no idea, you know? So I always like, like I use the public as like experimental ground and just diving in and, and trying to figure out like deer habits and things like that. And I actually get a little bit more anxiety, like on the private now that I hunt, because I'm like, am I going to screw this up? Where's my wind going? How's my entry and exit? And I get like more paranoid about like keeping that place like quote unquote pristine and i like i found myself doing that the other night and i was like i just need to get the hell over that right now (laughs) yeah that's 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 a great point i mean i know i know we're guilty of that too like you just want everything to be perfect and you think like you get out there and hunt and you like like a deer might spook and blow and you're like oh it's ruined like these deer never blow but like like they do they have coyotes they have predators they have other stuff that happened and so yeah it's interesting it, it really had, is uh, we we hunt so many different places and it's just so it's every every place is a little bit different yeah i think three nights ago i was out hunting on my piece of private and i couldn't we have a valley and i couldn't get a freaking wind it was just swirling like crazy like i just couldn't i just couldn't figure it out so i finally found a spot that like had a some fairly consistent wind and um it was like a a four-wheel trail kind of snakes down this hillside right and it was on one of the corners of the snake so down below me there was a there was a patch of woods and then down below me was the other portion of the four-wheel trail right so i'm like okay nothing's but it's pretty thick behind me nothing's coming up this way and i'm looking into a clover food plot that you had that you and i had talked about earlier this year like and planning it and how to figure it out and all that stuff um and I was looking into that. I had a doe come up the four wheel trail, but from behind me through the thick stuff, she picked me at like 15 yards and 
my wind was blowing right at her and I was like, oh man, I really should shoot you because you're going to blow. I know it. And I couldn't get turned around fast enough and she just blew the hell out of there. And I was like, well, shit, like this is, this hunt's kind of screwed now. You know, I'm like kind of feeling down in the dumps. And then I had two bucks come out at like 60 yards right on the other side of the plot and just work the edge of the plot in the woods and just keep moving up. They didn't even give a damn. They didn't care at all, you know, because I'm, I know I get, I have bobcats on camera and I have coyotes on camera and the neighbor got a bear the other day. So like, you know, so it's just kind of like, I'm sure they blow at other things all the time anyway. Yeah. That's a big thing. It's like never to get like discouraged. Like it's so easy. It's such a mental game, you know, like this, there's so many things that happen and like, it's easy to like think like, Oh, this hunt's ruined. It's over. And like, I don't know. Like, I like, that's the thing, the, the hard part about like, with like waiting for the right time, everything conditions are perfect. Like you think like, all right, I've been patient. I've been waiting for this moment. And like something happens and you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, like you sometimes you just gotta let it go. And like, it's, it's more frustrating for sure. Early season when like the deer aren't as tolerable of stuff, but like during the rut, yeah. like literally all bets are off. Like, Honestly, I, 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 I mean, I don't even, I'm just off the top of my head thinking back, like, I mean, most of the big deer that I've killed in, in Missouri, at least over the past 10 years have been early season, like not during the rut. So, <laughs> uh, you know, during the rut, like literally all bets are off. Like it's just, you know, yeah. you just think, you, if you think you know what you're doing during the rut, like think again, cause <laughs> there is no, there's not, there's nothing predictable about it. Yeah. Oh, for, Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's the excitement of the rut, right? Is cause the guys who are, go- who've never hunted before in their life can shoot a 180 during the rut if they just get exactly, lucky, yep. you know? Um, so when you're, um, you, you said earlier, like, you know, when you catch a, when you catch a buck, that's like off a doe, like kind of during the rut or the pre-rut and you're like, all right, he's on the loose and he's cruising. Um, and you're like, you can key in on that area. Do you just like, do you actually go to where that camera is and kind of hunt within like 50 yards of that camera? Or are you like, well, he was kind of headed this direction. So I think I'm going to go, I think he's kind of going to be in this area. So maybe that's, you know, a hundred yards from that camera West or something like that. Or how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, usually you can't, you can't like get too caught up in like the cameras and trying to figure them out. But like, usually we have an idea of like their area. And okay. so, like, you, we usually we know kind of where they like to be and where they're going to be checking. And so, yeah, we try to just kind of put ourselves somewhere in that tight, tight area between, you know, where is the closest, like, main food source where, like, they're going to be, like, looking for does, where we can hunt in the evening, or where is going to be, like, the best place close to the bedding area that we can kind of you know, sneak in and get in in the morning. So, okay. Got it. So, um, when we were, when we were talking before this, um, actually one question before that, do scrapes play a role in your strategy at all? Do you like, do you key in on them or not really? We, oh man, we like, so on our main farm in Missouri, it's a CWD County. So like we can't put out any minerals, any corn, no matter what the time of year is. And so like, it's really hard for us, like right now. I mean, we, we, we've got a decent idea of bucks and stuff, but like, it's hard for us to get pictures of bucks. 
until about this time of year. Like all of our cameras move to scrapes right now. And like, they're like the key, key place to get pictures for us. So hmm. um, yeah. as far as hunting goes, like, I don't know, man, I don't feel like we definitely have spots that like are on, you know, areas where there's lots of scrapes and like scraper lines or, you know, roads, road systems that have a bunch of scrapes, but I don't feel like I've ever gotten any sort of like really consistent, like consistent pattern on a scrape necessarily, or like yeah. a scrape that like, I don't know, I've seen them like over the years of other people's and like other people hunting that have like these big scrapes that just get torn up by all kinds of bucks. But like, I, I haven't really experienced that personally uh, okay. to too much of an extent. I mean, there, there definitely are scrapes that are hot and that, that but they're usually always on like food plot edges and, you know, close to bed, bedding areas or whatever areas we're already kind of spending our time hunting. But, uh, but we do do a lot of, uh, we use a lot of scrape trees you know okay. food blocks and stuff to try to just draw deer in closer to the blind in certain areas and, and sure. you know just put up put up you know trees close to blinds so they are like you know making those have a reason and, like, to come closer to you yeah exactly just yeah they're curious you, anyway so like, yeah so you put a tree out in the middle of the field they're like whoa whoa in there <laughs> that ain't been there. rub our face all over it and yeah <laughs> Yeah. So really it's not like necessarily a, a hunting, like you're not hunting over a scrape, like 20 yards or 30 yards from a scrape. You're more of using scrapes as like an inventory purpose to see where the deer are. And then you're catching them in other areas, kind of like, oh, like you said, outside those bedding areas or on the food, close to food plots or, or close to yeah. food sources, I should say. Yeah. 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 And we, we do have, like I said, we do have some stands that are on like some hot scrapes, but yeah, for the most part, more or less it's great for like running cameras because like you don't get a lot of bs doe pictures or anything like it's like mainly right. bucks so. <laughs> yeah do you notice like on any of your properties where like you you don't ever get good bucks on it until like october 25th and then all of a sudden boom they're there yeah oh yeah we definitely do yeah you definitely see some of that um and it's funny because we like we keep a very very detailed like catalog of every buck you know, all the buck pictures that we try, we try to organize and keep, you know, Sean explained like, that organization structure to me yeah. on the podcast, but for anyone who didn't hear that podcast, can you, can you explain how you do that again? Cause so, I, yeah, so, I'm doing it myself. Yeah. So what we do, it's funny. It, I love like learning about like what other people, how other people do things. So, like, I don't know if Sean and I like discussed this or we just like happened to like start doing it and that's what we do. But, um, but like, you know, Jeff and David Lindsay, we, uh, we produce their show and like they're obviously are hardcore as it gets when it comes to whitetail management and, and they kind of organize I think Jeff organizes his pictures by like area so like here's this camera and once you click on this folder here's the bucks on this camera for Sean and I we organize everything by buck so like every folder has darts with an age so like they're in order from five you know six five four three two whatever um, and then you know every folder has buck folder has all the pictures of that whole buck from the whole year and so like we'll go back you know previous year and say okay like what's the first picture of this buck like oh you know he showed up october 12th and like you look back and have three years of history and like oh he might show up october 10th one year the 12th the next year the 13th whatever it's right there yeah and so like once 
you know, they start moving. It's just, it's, it's really interesting to see how that, how that works. And like, we'll have certain bucks like, Oh yeah, we got them all summer, like till September about 10th and they leave. And so yeah, you know, it really does help. Um, like try to figure out certain deer and like uh, one of our buddies Ty is hunting buck right now and he's trying to like he's really trying to be smart about hunting him um he's 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 been patient he actually probably would have shot him last year but decided to pass him like he let him get to five or let him get to six maybe I can't remember if he's five or six but um but he's gone back and looked like okay in the past when this deer's daylighted you know what was the wind that day you know, what was the weather that day? It's yeah. like, okay, there's a cold front and the wind that morning was, um, you know, switching from south to north or was like, you know, coming out of the west and then went to north. And like, that's when he daylighted. And it's so crazy, these patterns that you can build um, with all this data. Uh, so it just, yeah. it's, it, it, it kind of becomes a data game. And it, it is funny to, to see, you know, how many correlations there are. Yeah, I so a friend of mine is like really into that. His name's Parker. I hunt with him um every year we we film each other. But um he was doing that. He has a buck that he calls Pope on his property and um and Pope was really regular in a in a certain portion of their property during daylight and he has been for the last 2 years and all of a sudden he's like September 25th hits September 26th and you never get another picture of him again until December, you know, or January or February, like once season's over, you know, yeah. like they just never see him again. And it's just totally gone. And this year we, our season started September 12th. So it was early. And, um, he has had pictures of him until, uh, October 1st was the last picture he had of him. And he was hunting, this weekend or this week he got a new job and his job lets him all out the door at two o'clock so he's been hunting like nice. every day <laughs> yeah you sound and, a little uh, bitter <laughs> what's that i said you sound a little bitter yeah oh yeah for sure for sure i am and he was so he was he was like it, it was it was like clockwork you know cold front on a northwest wind and there he is like that's that was the pattern i mean it's it's exactly what you would expect it to be um and then like we hit I think two weeks ago we hit like some highs in the eighties um, in like mid September and he was getting them in daylight at like three and four o'clock and he didn't even, he didn't have cell cameras. So he just came in and checked his camera after that warm front. Cause he was like, ah, you know, it's 80 degrees. I'm not going in or anything. Yeah. I'm just going to stay out be back for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He goes and checks his cameras and that buck is within 30 yards of his stand three days in a row at like mm. four o'clock in the afternoon. And he's like, yeah. this is so not right. <laughs> he goes, uh, I think he's, yeah, I think he's uh, just in there trying to throw a wrench in my plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, make you, make yeah. you think of every scenario. I promise you that. <laughs> right. And yeah, was, I, who knows? He couldn't, he can't figure out a pattern to it, but he's like, I just got to chalk that up to a, a total random event and hope to God that he's still in there. Cause he, yeah. he should, I mean, it's October 7th today, so he should probably be gone and he's probably like 160, 170 inch, um, 10, 11 point. Yeah. He's, he's a really nice buck. They've been trying to kill him for a couple of years. Cause he broke 140 a couple of years ago and he's, he's just kind of been hanging around, but he's only there for the first two week or two of season. Then he's gone. 
you know, so everybody yeah. on that, there are seven guys on that property and everybody's trying to, trying to kill them and no, no one's been able to. Um, I've had a few like that over the years, man. Just like this one buck specifically was like seven or eight years old. And every year he would leave like the anywhere from like the 13th, which is before season opened to like the 17th. So you get like one, two, three days maybe. <laughs> and this deer was, Oh, the year I almost killed him. I want to say he was nine. I think he was nine years old. And like, literally I got back from being out of town and came back and he was like on a, on trail cam, like pretty regularly. I was like, Oh, we got to try it. Skylar and I went out. It was like the 17th, I think of, of September. And like, Oh my God, here he comes. And like, he's just a beast. And I was like, Oh, like, like he's not like a score wise. I mean, I don't even know, like in his prime, he's 180 plus. Uh, he, he, he you know, shrunk down. He's probably 160. He's still just whatever, just yeah. a giant. And uh, just a massive buck. And he's, like, coming out. And he's, like, I'm, like, oh, God, here he comes. Like, he's, like, on this, literally this mowed path trail that I made, you know, through this thick, like, CRP grass. And he's yeah. coming. And he's, like, literally, like, I, he's, like, coming out. And he's, like, 35. And I'm, like, range. And I'm, like, okay, he's 30. And, like, I let it clip on. And, like, I'm, like, just putting tension to the drawback. And there's like a two-year-old or three-year-old behind him. And I like draw, I get come to full draw and this two or three old like just like starts ramming him, like rams him right in the ass. He just pushes him and he like jumps and like runs off, like runs straight away. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like he just walks down this fence line, literally walks down this fence line and just leaves. Never got pictures of the buck again. Ever. No. Like, yeah. Was, Did you ever post that footage? Yeah, I did a while back. It's like the throwback deal. Like he's just okay. a giant. Like literally, his G two is like this fat. Like just he, he had like at one point in his life had double split G twos, but it like receded and like just had like just like giant banana time. Like, oh, man. Uh, it was like a, it was like a heartbreak deal. Like literally, like I mean, I could have killed him, you know, easily before then. But I was just like being patient, you know, waiting for the right opportunity. Yeah. This little buck just like rams him and runs him off, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh just that? like literally wanted to i wanted to cry like uh, oh man i hate even reminiscing on it honestly <laughs> you can hear it in your voice dude <laughs> uh, it sucks. um but that's that's what it's all about man those opportunities yeah. that stuff happens i mean like i said the other night with that buck like you know had the opportunity to shoot him but like that's what it's all about like you just you get these opportunities you you got to process all this stuff in your head you yeah, gotta control your emotions, and you got to make the best the best decision possible. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you regret those decisions, and other times you know they pay. Yep. Off. Oh yeah, dude. I was I, I just I got up back from elk hunting a couple weeks ago, and the morning I killed um, my the four by four that I got, like an hour and a half before that, I had a cow come in, and she was at seventy yards, and I was practicing that, and I was comfortable but not like super comfortable at that distance and my buddy who lives out there my two the two friends are with they they shoot you know 80 90 100 yards like regularly yeah and that cow is like standing in a lane and they're like dude shoot it and i'm like dude it's too far and they're like shoot it and i'm like ah man i don't know they're like dude you shoot it or i'm going to shoot it right out from underneath you (laughs) (laughs) and i ended up passing on it and then she just kind of trotted off but 
you know, thank God, because I had just had an either sex tag and I ended up, you know, an hour and a half later punching my tag on a, on a nice bowl. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's just kind of those moments that you like, well, am I going to regret that forever or not? <laughs> yeah. Um, Listen, you hunt enough, you're going to, you're going to capitalize on moments where you're like, I need to make, you know, I need to capitalize on that. And you're going to have things that you regret. So you just, yeah, that's just part of it. So, um, yeah. And getting back, like we kind of get on a tangent off, off the rut and stuff, but, um, but so in the, you like those cold mornings, what about like evenings? Are you, are you still kind of looking at food? Are you off food like 30 to hundred yards or are you closer to bedding? Are you trying to get between bedding areas or what are you thinking there? Yeah, I, I, I still don't like getting, I, I, I just don't like getting in the timber, doing too much in the evening, except for like certain spots. I mean, for the most part, I kind of like hunting food sources and edges. Okay. Um, unless you're hunting a buck, you know, it's like locked down with the doe or, you know, he's in tight with the doe and you can kind of like try to slip into an area. Um, I like for the most part hunting, you know, food sources and edges where you can get into on like unsected and not disturbed too right. much. So there's really like, kind of, I like, I like to call them like ghost, ghost spots where you can kind of get in on a perfect entry, get out on a perfect exit, have a great wind. They have no idea you're there and you're never, re- it's going to be really hard to burn out that spot. Like you can sit that stand five. Yeah. Those are, those are ideal. Um, yeah. but also like, uh, you just like, once like November gets cracking and the bucks are like going hard, like you got it. Like you can be, I feel like you can be too cautious. You can be too careful and you can yeah. be too, you can, you can definitely start second guessing yourself too much. Like sometimes it's best just to like get up in there and go and like get in the, get in tight and be aggressive and get in there. And if, and if you, you know, like two years, actually the last Missouri buck I killed two years ago, I threw stands on my back. Joel and I went in and like just started like basically scouting and looking for a spot to hang a stand. I knew, you know, looking at like the maps, like an onyx and like the top topography and everything, everything laid. And, like we knew certain areas we'd like shed hundreds of areas a lot. And like we wanted to come in and like get on this end of this ridge. So we kind of knew where we were going, but we just kind of like put stands on our back, went in there and like found an area, hung the stand. It was hot and windy that evening, but the cold front was coming the next day. So we're like, we're going to go in. It's blowing like 25, 30, hang the stand, and uh, we'll hunt it tonight and hunt it in the morning. So we hunted that evening, saw a few deer that evening, but not much, which which was like literally we had zero expectations. And I uh, got in the next morning, just temp dropped. The bottom fell out as crisp as it can be, and just incredible rut morning, just bucks chasing, cruising, and I ended up killing a buck. Nice. you know on, on on that spot and it was one of those deals but it was an aggressive it was an aggressive spot I mean, we for sure the next morning we bumped a couple deer getting into it i know that and, yeah um it's not one you're going to want to hunt on a like you know a couple times during the week three or four times during a week but it's one of those ones where they like conditions are right like get in there and and go for it yeah and the other like i i always like to think like during the rut you know there's so much chaos going on that like even if you like really screw it up at 8 a.m. and you like bump a bunch of deer, you you know you drop whatever, you drop your freaking camera and you clang around and stuff like that, all that can change in you know 20 minutes. You know if you got a buck coming in from half a mile away, he's not gonna hear that, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. So you, I mean, yeah, and you could get in there and you could really have like 
I've had it happen where I get set up and all the deer are coming from where I didn't think they were coming from. And I got a terrible win. So I pull my whole set and I move it to capitalize on that win. And I just blew out, you know, four deer, but now I've moved 50 yards and now all the deer are just coming right through and I'm, and I'm good to go. You know, I've had that happen too. And it's just kind of one of those times of the year where like you can, you can get away with, with mistakes and still be successful. Yep. Um, for sure. Do you guys, what are your thoughts on full day sits? Like, are you sitting, when you get in a stand, are you never moving or are you moving if, if you're not seeing anything? We, uh, I mean, I, I personally like very, basically never sit all day. Um, and okay. mainly because, <laughs> and this is, this is, this is literally, I'm telling you the reason it's mainly because I hunt so much that I just don't, I just can't, <laughs> okay. I just can't. That's a good um, problem to have, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I literally just can't. Um, I, I need, I need like a just a just a little emotional break, mental yeah. break to get out of there. I, I will, I will, but there's very, very few spots that I think are worthy of like a full day sit. Honestly, what um, is what what is what does constitute a full day sit? Like, think of one. Man, usually those spots are like usually tight, tight to the bedding area. Um, right. Spots that you don't want. Like once you're in, you don't want to get out and like. Um, man, I, I mean, I know, like, listen, like guys, listen, guys save their vacation time and they got a week to hunt during the rut. Like sitting all day is probably a good idea. Like we get a lot of pictures of bucks cruising midday. Like it's a good idea. Like literally it's a great idea, but like, I mean, I hunt from August to <laughs> January nonstop. And I just like, yeah, I mean, I, I will hunt. I will hunt all day if I think it's a good idea, but like, I don't feel like the need, like the need to, I like, almost need a little, a little yeah. breather in between right. hunts. A little change of scenery. Usually I, I, I like to change up spots usually, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's I most of it. I, anybody who's done an extended hunt, I mean, a lot of people will get burnout on hunting like all day or even just like hunting in general after like five, six days straight of getting up yeah. super early sitting trying to sit out there all day and moving around like people will get burned out on that pretty quick i think people can recognize that um and i like like you said i think it's i think it's really dependent on your time in the woods like if you have one week to like make it happen like you know sit that thing for 12 hours uh and do it do you do you ever find yourself like going to a spot in the morning coming out grabbing lunch hanging out at home for a little bit and then heading back to that exact same spot in the evening? Yeah, or sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, but not not very much. Honestly, a lot of times what we'll do is, and this is gets back to, honestly, just a little more convenience, but, like, a lot of times we'll hunt a spot in the evening, leave all our stuff there, and climb it back in the morning, which is sure. so nice because, like, I'll leave my bow, like, camera arms. All we, all we bring back is the camera. Um, probably more so that than then leaving midday coming back but yeah um, but yeah i'm not afraid to do that either like um like i said i mean yeah it, it, it like you can sit all day and you can sit all day and you can do you know if, if your time's limited I, I wouldn't you know go against that recommendation but uh i just yeah i haven't killed a whole lot of deer i mean you know you hear guys that have that do yeah. but it's just it's pretty rare it's rare like it's rare they, they, they move middle of the day, but 
it's still your your odds are still better, you know. Right. For, it for it could be I'm really curious as to like the actual statistics on it, but it could be one of those things because it's so rare, it's like overhyped. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like, dude, you gotta be out there from from ten to two because Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of all the buck shot this year, there were, you know, eighty shot between that time frame, but there were you know, yeah, thousand shot in the evening and four thousand. It's definitely, shot. it's definitely overhyped because you just hear those guys. Even the guys that like don't even, whatever. They're just like, oh yeah, big bucks are moving from ten to ten to noon. This yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's I I feel like it's one of those like you know conversation pieces more than anything, right? Uh, but but I mean I mean we run cameras like crazy, so you see on the cameras, there's no arguing on that, but. Yeah, it's just usually yeah. not. There's nothing consistent enough ever to like justify like certain all day sits in certain areas right. versus any other. It's kind of just like random. Yeah, I mean that's one of those luck things. Right place, right time. Yeah, I mean I I sit like I mean I sit. Shoot, I I, I like I like sitting late, you know, and like if if we're getting good activity, but we'll sit and sit and sit and sit and yeah. sit, you know. Um, and I was hunting in the. Iowa last year and we literally sat basically till I was like okay it was like 11 45 and I was like all right like we want to hunt this other stand we got to get down eat lunch grab the decoy move to the other spot so like if we want to like not be late like we need to go so yeah yeah which brings up a great point because that was one of the next that was the next thing on my list is to talk to you about calling and decoys and I know it's like your favorite thing in the world to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love so, the decoy. Yeah. You mentioned calling earlier, but you're one of the few guys that I see like posts every year with decoys and like, you have a lot of success with them. Like deer come into the decoys and oh, maybe yeah. it's just the fact that it's a, it's a Dave Smith decoy. And it's just like, the guy is, the guy's an artist, but yeah. <laughs> that's a hundred percent the reason no i'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. no I, i've used uh i've used a lot of decoys the dave smith is obviously like like it is with all decoys it's the best but i've used tons of decoys and uh it's just like literally the most fun way to hunt bucks right yeah there. so I'll, I'll never forget like one i've of, never used a decoy walk like after you tell this story what? walk w- no I know. You're killing your first decoy <laughs> buck this year, guaranteed. <laughs> I hope, dude. That'd be that'd be awesome. The, uh, um, but but tell tell your story about you were gonna say you said I I remember and I'm sorry to interrupt, but also walk me through like how you even set it up and what your process is and why you would use a decoy and what scenarios and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember why like why we ever used the decoy at first like i'm sure we saw like stand pots on on hs like slay a big buck with one i'm pretty sure and uh and uh so sean and i had a decoy and and uh we put put it out behind his house there his dad's house and uh where sean lives now and i'll never forget man it was just like like picture perfect epic like just oh here comes this buck he like sees a decoy gets all postured up like comes across the field and literally like a I don't even remember, like, a, I think he was an eight-pointer, like, probably, like, a 110-inch eight-pointer, like, not a big buck. I think he was, like, a two-year-old, maybe a three-year-old, whatever. Uh, Sean and I are, like, in college and, like, just, like, comes it out and just bristles up, comes in the decoy all perfect, like, and, like, I'm filming, like, I pan back over the shoulder, he draws back, you know, and smokes him. Then he, like, runs off and dies, and it was, like, 
like I said, we both had at that point we both still killed bigger bucks, like even yeah. then. And but it was the most exciting hunt just of all time ever. Like he would just look so big and he was so mean coming in the decoy and Sean made a perfect shot and he just crashed. And it was like That's awesome. I was just I was just hooked. And so like ever since then I've been using decoys a bunch and actually I used to give Sean trouble. I was like, Man, you're the decoy master because like uh that hunt and like a couple hunts after that he had uh, deer come in the decoys and um but as of late like the past four or five years i've been using decoy a lot and i just my favorite thing about it is like you can use it in areas where like you're not typically going to get actually the best areas in my opinion to use it is areas where you're not typically gonna be able to shoot a deer so like usually it's off you know main areas like off the fringes more like high visibility areas uh kansas is a great place you know for decoying because it's just open you know a lot of open country uh but i use it in missouri iowa all the same and so typically i like to use it in like areas where you know there's going to be a lower concentration of deer because like i said earlier like some of the does will like get kind of like uncomfortable with it they'll stare at it you know look yeah. at it and start stomping and blowing and um so I, I like to use it in areas where there's like you know not necessarily higher deer concentrations but where you can see a long way and if you see a good buck you can bang the horns together or grunt at him and rattle whatever and get his attention and get him to come to the decoy and uh so that's what i usually do i, I, I like to get kind of off the main areas and, and use it that way and then usually as far as like placing the decoy you know, I've heard of all the different reasons and why and how you place it, but like I personally like to place it like quartered to me, head facing towards me, quartered to because 90% of the time I feel like deer will circle downwind with the decoy because they want to smell it and they'll approach it head on almost almost every time. Occasionally they'll come in from behind and like try to smell it on the ass, but like almost all the time they're coming around the front. And approach okay. head on so I, pro, I i put it quartered to me so like they're coming ideally you're thinking they're going to circle downwind and be quartered away from you and yeah. uh i usually put it like at least 20 yards if not like 25 to 30 because if they're going to circle downwind sometimes they'll like really take a big loop and you don't want them to get behind you right so like sean and i have had that happen before like where a buck got behind us and because the decoy was a little bit too close and so that's kind of my you know Got usual go-to setup on that okay so then um I, I have i have like 10 questions in my head on that so, <laughs> <laughs> write them out right i know i should i should with this memory lapse i got going on right now i got this word document open that i'm filling this out right now it's kind of like a <laughs> Q&A form um but it's sorry, a, i got a cell cam i got a cell cam picture over here oh, no just a dough no big deal <laughs> we interrupt this podcast so look at cell cam photos <laughs> yeah um i could share my screen but there's nothing worth sharing yet ah uh, okay maybe in maybe in 10 minutes a buck will be chasing yeah, that <laughs> the rut's on the rut's on it's october 7th post it mike everybody get out there sit all day tomorrow <laughs> right october 8th get it done yeah. um which is ridiculous because i had a friend kill 158 i think it was 158 inch buck on october 11th at 11 30 on a scrape <laughs> like and i asked him i said dude why were you even in the woods at that time and he goes well that's when i got off work that was his oh, and wow. it was like he the got best, in late. Yeah. that was like the best response ever like 
Yeah. You know, he got off work at 11 a.m. and he just went straight to the woods and he was just going to hunt for the next, you know, eight hours or whatever. And uh, yeah, yeah and, and, right. And he ended up shooting at 30 minutes into the sit. But um, but anyway, so so with the decoy um, off those main areas, like you said, so if I'm in in like a wooded hillside, I mean, are you are you setting it up like in the woods or are you trying to find like like open fields or food plots or like big open areas yeah always open areas i don't ever okay. i've never used decoy in the timber i don't think okay um, just because you don't you don't you don't need it in the timber um if you if you see a deer and like call to a deer like they're going to come like check the area out i feel like um I, I it's always in like high visibility areas like like a, like a food plot at minimum or like way off like even the big ag fields like usually will hunt the edge like with a decoy i'll hunt like a tree in the middle of the field like 200 yards away just because i don't want to i don't know like i don't want to you don't want to disturb other deer and like during the rut you know bucks get locked down with those they take them to weird spots and so yeah. like, if you have a buck you know a buck decoy a couple hundred yards off the edge of a field and a big one comes out and you start like grunting or rattling like he's going to come check it out because he's going to think he's got a, got a hot dough locked down. Yeah. Oh, that's a great, I've never thought of that perspective, but I mean, everybody in the Midwest drives by, everybody have seen, has seen a buck in the middle of a field in the middle of the day. In a weird spot. Yeah. 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 One of the biggest bucks I've ever seen in my life was in the middle of a cornfield and I was hunting. I was probably hunting 150 yards from him and never saw him. And he was just right in the middle of that field with a doe. Yeah, bedded down in picked corn. And um, the reason he's there is because he didn't want to deal with other bucks pestering him all the time. So he they try to get him to these isolated areas, and so yeah, that's why I like to be in like somewhat isolated areas, but where you're still visible from everywhere else. Sure. Um. So then I feel like I feel like carrying a decoy in is cumbersome, and it's kind of here we go. Yeah, I knew it. Is it? <laughs> no, it's. I mean, I mean yes and no i mean it, it okay. sure it's but it's worth it i mean it's hiking up a mountain to kill an elk a pain in the ass yeah but you do yeah. it because that's how you do it <laughs> so that's how i compare it to i mean like sure you know like i went out to colorado this year to elk hunt and like it's like okay you're getting up at like 3 34 a.m to drive an hour to hike two hours to get just to start hunting and i'm like well i'll never complain about a uh, 200 yard walk to a tree stand ever again <laughs> you know and so uh, yeah but but seriously though like yes decoys are big and cumbersome and they're loud mm-hmm. um they're they, you know they're they make certain you know decoys that are you know silhouettes that are more portable whatever but they like the Mon- yeah i was gonna ask you about the montanas like have you ever tried those or no i i haven't um okay. i haven't messed with those much uh i'm sure they work in certain you know circumstances the dave smith honestly like is like i said as real as it can get um it is not loud uh a lot of the decoys i've used that are plastic are loud um it's not loud at all it is not light it's it's definitely heavy um not like heavy heavy but it's it's not like a lightweight like a blow up inflatable decoy. it looks like <laughs> I've crap seen those inflatable so, decoys like, they look so bad like, yeah it, you know it's just it, it's just give and take it, it it's literally yeah. if, if you turkey hunted you know, you've seen the inflatable turkey decoys. You've seen the foam decoy. I've killed lots of turkeys over these Walmart foam decoys back in the day. 
mm-hmm. but will I use one tomorrow? Eh, probably not. Like I, I just, I just don't want to leave anything up to chance. And so honestly, the Dave Smith, I throw it over my shoulder like this and I hold the legs. And I mean, we're hauling all kinds of other crap. I have my bow yeah, sling you and my backpack and your bow and all your other all shit. that crap. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just throw it over my shoulder and I've hauled that thing all over the place. And yeah, I mean, it's a little more cumbersome, but it's worth it. The second yeah. you have one come into it, you'll understand. Like it's just the most biggest adrenaline rush there is in the world. And all right. I got, I got a spot. Yeah. No, I got a spot. I got a spot in mind in uh in my head that I'm gonna try it out on. It's a walnut. It's like a walnut grove kind of. So a lot of tall, real tall trees that don't have any branches, and on on the bottom is just like tall grass. And and in November it all gets matted down. You yeah. know, especially after like if if we get an early snow in November. Um, and then the closest like real active deer trail is about 60 yards from where I can get to effectively with a tree stand. So either I got to get on the ground and kind of make a ground blind, or my thought is I could set that decoy up at, um, at like 25 yards, like you say. And then if they're coming through it, there's, there's trails at 60, 80, and like 100 up, up on this hillside. And if they're coming through, I could give them a couple calls and maybe they'll come down that hillside right to that decoy and, and try to fight them. Cause it, and it is a, it is a higher density area, but it's not like, um, it's not like an area like in South Southern Wisconsin, like it's high deer density all over the place. Like we have so many deer, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, pretty much unlimited tags, like whatever, go shoot as yeah. many as you want. And especially where I am is also a CWD unit. So when I buy my license, I get a buck tag and three doe tags plus un, unlimited doe, pretty much unlimited doe tags, you know, so yeah. you kind of shoot whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a, a travel area. So if a doe does spook or something like that, she's probably just going to move through. She's not going to like mess around and hang out with it. She's probably going to look at it and just keep going type of thing. So I feel like that mm-hmm. would, that would help with that scenario. Um, that you were Yeah. Saying. I mean, I've used them in like, in situations i've used them in like scenarios where i usually don't like to like a food plot just because like uh, like last year i did it with my wife because i was like uh this buck's been coming out and he'd been like it was a pretty big food plot like clover plot that i had planted and like he just was not coming close enough for her i was like you know whatever i'm gonna try it you know and there's quite a few deer using it so it's like you know you hate to use a decoy but i'm gonna try it I was like, I'm, I might spook a bunch of deer, but maybe he'll still come out, you know, later in the evening and see it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it worked. I mean, like the, a few deer spooks and then, you know, certain other deer come out and they, they see it. And so it just, it just depends. Um, like I said, it's give and take. It's not something that's like foolproof, but it's one of those deals is like the risk, you know, worth risk the reward. reward right? Sometimes it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it is. Okay. So then as far as the, the calling goes with the decoys, are you doing like snort wheeze, grunt, rattling, everything, all the above, like just chaos? Walking yeah. That? I mean, like not blind calling, but like, okay. Um, yeah, most of the time you don't even, like if you're in a closer area where deer come out and they see the decoy, you don't have to do anything. But like you can always just like judge the behavior of the deer and see like, if the deer doesn't like in Kansas, for example, it's pretty wide open. 
and like you were hunting some areas where like you know you could see for several hundred yards and um you know if a deer comes out and doesn't see the decoy like if you like you know start grunting and like he looks doesn't see the decoy you know you might start rattling and then see and you can always judge his behavior if you see sure. the decoy uh, but yeah it all works grunting rattling snort weaving you know whatever you have to do it just kind of depends and the main thing is just judging the the body language of the deer that you're hunting okay do you ever call without a decoy yeah oh yeah, yeah. um i like to rattle uh in kansas especially um it seems like certain areas you know is that blind rattling it. then or is it yeah i mean i will do too man i'll do a little I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of both but like I feel like I've had very, very little success blind rattling. Like most of the time, it's just tough because it's one of the deals. Like if you rattle, like the buck's coming downwind. Like he's gonna circle downwind to that sound. Okay. So like you hate, you hate to, you know, maybe you got a buck coming your way, and like you rattle and it throws him off the path and it makes him go downwind. So you'd hate to do that. But like um, in Kansas, like you know i'm I'm more a fan of, of blind rattling you know they have a lower deer density and and a, and a better buck to doe ratio seems like so um yeah it just kind of depends but I, I i like to call i mean i, I like to it's, it's exciting to call and interact with deer and you know not just sit there and and hope hope something walks by so <laughs> it, it, it definitely is fun but i mean it's amazing those deer when they when they hear a sound and they hear whatever they can pinpoint where it is and they'll circle right downwind of it. And so like, it's, yeah. you gotta be cautious. You gotta be careful of, you know, calling too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I, even within my own friend group, like I have friends who are like, dude, whenever I rattle, I get bucks to come in. And I have other friends that are like, dude, I've rattled for nine years and I've never had a single buck come to it. You yeah. know, I, 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 I agree that I, it's, personality driven and area driven and density driven like there's so many factors that go into whether or not calling is going to work i feel like you just got to try it and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but that doesn't mean it's it. not going to work tomorrow you know yeah, i've experienced it all literally like <laughs> have you ever like, uh, I remember last year being like brandon ready for me to rattle because like here comes the deer because we haven't rattled in a seal deer and then like one day in iowa I, every time I rattled, a different buck came in. And so like, it just, you know, it just depends on the, it depends on the, that's the thing. And, and that's what drives me nuts about the rut. And like, people are like, Oh, lockdown, lockdown nationwide. Every buck's locked down. It's like, okay. It all depends on the farm, the area, the zone, the Dude. region. Seriously, like, I mean, I get it. I get, I get that the rut is, is influenced by, you know, the amount of daylight and, and, and uh, you know the temperature and all that stuff i get it but like it's not nationwide lockdown guys no relax like what happens on my farm in missouri may be completely different what happens on your place in kansas or whatever so like you know just get out there and hunt and like yeah even during lockdown i've had a lot of good hunts so yeah no dude i i i find it hilarious because i mean with social media everybody has a voice and yeah not everybody has credentials to back up their voice and people just yeah. spout off, spout off their mouth as if they, you know, they're, they're, they literally know what a deer is thinking. And it's like, no, you don't. 
Like you just don't like, and people will tell you, Oh yeah, I do. I know exactly what they're doing today. Well then why haven't you killed that buck? Well, you know, and all the excuses come fine, but you'll see guys like make fun of, make fun of the people who are, who say, Oh, the rut's on. And then they're like, wow, look at this joker. You know, they think the rut's on and it's only October 20th, like blah, blah, blah. Uh, Right. And then they'll turn around and be like, well, it's November 6th. I'm not hunting for the next four days because it's locked down, you yeah. know? And you're just like, all right, well, yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of out the ballpark, man. Because it's so, like you said, like, just like you said, it is so scenario driven. And I think that's great. That's great to hear for our, for our listeners, which is like, you like just because even your Nate, even like a mile down the road, if you're brought, if your buddy who hunts a mile down the road is like, dude, I ain't seeing shit. I think, I think they're on lockdown. You might be, you might have two hot does on your property that are drawing all the bucks from the other mile and you're pulling bucks from your buddy's property. Right. And so now like you have the hot zone. And that yeah. was one thing that Ward was talking about is like, they like to like move until they find that hot zone. Like, and that's what I, I I've always enjoyed it where you're just like, you're, you get down from one stand in the middle of the day and you're like, well, I'm just going to kind of go back to the truck and get lunch or whatever and hang out for a little bit. Then I'll go back out and hunt, you know, the afternoon and on your way walking out a doe just comes burning by and you just like, Oh shit. Like give me my release, get, let's knock an arrow. Cause there's probably a buck coming too you know, and that's, that's, that's the excitement and the hate of the rut. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, like everybody has this big dream of the rut and like bucks cruising, chasing, grunting, running. And like, I hunt every day in November basically. And I mean, if I have two or three days of like good, like crazy rutting, chasing, grunting, like that's a good thing. I mean, like it's, it's not like it happens wow, that's every a great day. Perspective. You know what I mean? That's I mean, a like great it's, it's perspective. Like it's uh, it, those 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 crazy days are really really few and far between. You know, no, no matter where yeah. you're running. No I, I really like, like that. That's a great running. perspective for so many people. Like, I mean, you've been how long have you been full time at Heartland Bowhunter? Like fourteen years, fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're in your yeah, 14th yeah, season. Years, yeah. 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 So you've been pretty much full time for 14 years and you're, and you hunted pretty much every day in November for 14 years, which is, what is that? 420 days. And you're saying out of that 420 days, if you get like 60 days that are good, like that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm talking like crazy. Like, I mean, yeah, like you see a buck and, you know, cruising or whatever, but like, I'm talking about like, running like you know you yeah it just it's mouth the, open panting like the thing is literally being on the spot where there's a hot dough mm-hmm. and there's not any other hot doughs where all the bucks are fighting for the hot dough yeah those just those just those are just so hard to come by those circumstances those times and so yeah have you ever uh have you ever so one thing i considered was like one year i had a hot dough come burning by right um, she came burning by at like, I don't know, 9am. And within the next hour, I had three bucks coming in behind her. All of them were, were a little bit smaller, like nothing I wanted to shoot, but I knew where she was heading. 
and I knew where like I knew where she was going and kind of the bedding area that she was generally going towards. I sat there for the rest of the day and and one of the and I didn't see a whole lot more. But one of my thoughts that kept going through my head was, man, I should get down and go towards that bedding area where I think she's going to be in reposition because I feel like her scent's just going to keep wafting around in there and bucks are just going to keep coming through once she gets to that like area where she kind of wants to stop. What do yeah. you think of that? I mean, if, if you can be mobile and move like that, like, um, you know, I know you said you like hunt out of the saddle sometimes and like, if yeah. you can, like make an adjustment quickly and efficiently, I think it'd be great. But like, you know, if you can't, if it takes, you know, if it takes an hour for you to break down and move and then another hour to get up, it's like that time lost. Is it worth, mm -hmm. you know, the move? And so, um, you know, I, we could never do that. I don't feel like just because it's just tough for us. We're hunting spots yeah. that we have set up and stands we have set up and um, the ability to run and gun is not, is not there as much, but uh, I'm all for those aggressive moves, you know, if you can make them happen, it's just, yeah, you got to think about like every second that you are spending moving, you know, you're unprepared to make a shot, you know, your, your arrow's right. not knocked and, uh, right. You know, not a good spot. A, yeah. It could be a moment when the buck might run by. So. Sure. I, yeah, I, I, I can understand that. And, and coming from your perspective where it's, it's two guys, all the camera gear and you're, and you're producing a show, you know, you're not just like trying to kill a buck. You're not on your own and just like, all right, what, what do I want to do? It's what do we need yeah. to do and how are we going to get this on film? Because that's my livelihood is getting these things on film. No, I'll just shoot it, and then if Brandon doesn't get on film, it's his fault. <laughs> hit that record button, man. You ever have you ever shot anything, and Brandon didn't hit the record button? Oh man, um, I'm trying to think. I, you know, I, I I know I've passed a lot of deer because, like, the opening day this year, just because they weren't on, you know, weren't film. on film, or because we were dealing with setting up stuff um but it's one of the deals like it's like you know you just accept it and i've learned to accept it at this point like it's in my mind it's worth it like there's like we i know you know so many instances where we've busted a deer ruined a hunt because of having two guys in the stand and having all the extra stuff but I can't even imagine the amount of times we've like spooked deer that we don't even know about because there's twice the amount of scent, twice the amount of noise, twice the amount of motion, you know, all that stuff. And so you really can't worry about it too much. It's one of those deals where like, for me, it's worth it. Cause like, you know, it's worth it to have those, those memories of capture yeah. on video and, and uh, you just, you, you take it for what it's worth. And so, like I said, that, that deer opening day, I could just grab my bow and, just ripped but yeah <laughs> you know. um, yeah yeah for sure if you were on your own and just doing it like you would add them yeah you know? yeah oh man uh, all right well dude i think that's i think that's all i got i mean that's all i got and we're we're rolling up on like an hour and a half maybe a little bit over or something like that and apparently like that's 
I'm not Joe Rogan, so I'm not doing three hours or four hours of this stuff. So <laughs> seems to be the time frame. Is there anything that you want to leave like listeners with when it comes to like the pre-rut or the rut? Like if you could give a great piece of advice that, that you think has really changed the way you approach it and you look at it. Um, yeah. What would that And I would just say like, don't like, don't overthink things. Uh, it's the rut. It's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. Um, just get out there. The more time you can be out there, the, the higher percentage your success is going to be. And, um, take a decoy. No, take a decoy. <laughs> uh, no, no, but seriously, try yeah. it. Just try it. I mean, like, seriously, it's, uh, it's fun. It's so much fun. I'll get, I'll, I'll give it a try. I, I, I will. I, I have Dave Smith's cell phone number. I'll give him a call and be like, Hey Dave, send me one out. There you go. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't I have no idea. <laughs> he'll custom carve you one. What's that? Uh, I said he'll custom carve you one. <laughs> yeah. Right. All well, right. Dave's well, been hey. busy. He's been busy. Oh, I, yeah, dude. I remember when I ordered my turkey decoys here, they were like, they were back ordered and he's just like, dude, I just got, we just got so many orders. So no, good for him. But, um, everyone, thanks for listening. If you guys, uh, if you guys enjoy this, um, go check out Mike. Mike has his own Instagram. I think it's just Mike Hunsucker, right? Michael Hunsucker. Something like that. Yeah. yeah I, think that's what it is. <laughs> I think it's, I don't know if it's Mike or Michael. I think it's Michael. I think it's Michael. Hold on. I'm looking it up. Right uh, now. I always, so I always like introduce myself as Michael, but then everybody calls me Mike. So yeah, no, it's Michael. <laughs> Hunsucker, I'm pretty yeah. Sure. And, and uh, yeah. Harlan Bowhunter. Heartland bow hunter, everything like literally we're everywhere with you know anywhere you consume content youtube amazon prime you know uh, facebook instagram whatever and uh our, our uh new shows are airing on outdoor channel 9 30 p.m eastern standard eastern standard time mm-hmm. so uh check it out for sure yeah and you got a, you got dvds too you can buy your dvds you can dvds buy if you're old school we don't make any vhs <laughs> anymore but we're still cranking out some dvds we're gonna be on we're on itunes too which the new season will be up like literally next week finally so uh anyway if we're not anywhere that you guys consume content right there hb5 that's that's like, hb5 like <laughs> yep yeah. um anyway yeah i don't know where hb6 went i had i used to own it it's right here. I got you guys in the in the same category as this man. I don't know if you've ever oh, heard of yeah. him. Oh yeah. Oh no, that guy. <laughs> never heard of him. This guy. I mean, he kind of makes an all right film. Donnie Vincent. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he's you guys ever heard he's of him. He's the man. I was just talking to him a couple days ago. He's, he's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, you guys, check that out. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, enjoy like listening to. We got a bunch of more rut episodes coming up. Um, please subscribe. Um, give me a review. If you get a chance, if you get a few minutes, like I would really appreciate that kind of helps me move up a little bit in the rankings and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to Mike, just go do it. (laughs) And, uh, we'll catch you guys later.